The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Old Man Spirit, homespirit.com. It's a food of 247 Sports. David, you have not been on this podcast in like, what, a week and a half? Well, How are you I, feeling? I, I took a nice little, uh, you know, yeah, maybe once uh, in about the last 20 days or so because I took a week's vacation around yeah. the Christmas holidays. And then uh, as soon as vacation's over, uh, and, and you and I talked on the phone a whole bunch. You can attest to this. Uh, I could hardly terrible. talk. Yeah, I, exactly. I could. I lost my voice and sound. And when I could talk, I sounded like Darth Vader. So uh, anyway, I'm yeah, I'm glad to be back in the saddle this morning and uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Obviously, basketball season's in full bloom in Oxford. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions on iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Could be back on Rebel Sports Radio pretty soon, but I'll let you know about that. That's still something I'm dealing with. But right now, 
David, it's recruiting time. I know we want to talk basketball and Ole Miss won against Arkansas on Saturday and they play at Alabama on Tuesday. We'll talk a little bit about basketball in just a little bit. But yeah, as I'm sitting around on Sunday watching the games as the Super Bowl is set up and again the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl and I want to kill myself. But um, as I'm watching football, I started looking around you know, during commercial breaks and whatever and I was like, ah, you know, this is the time of year. It's what, January 21st now. This is the time of year where and there's supposed to be a lot of visits and a lot of recruiting activity going on, especially with the program that's got a lot of spots left to fill. I mean, what's happening right now? Yeah, it wasn't exactly dead on campus over the weekend. Of course, you had Byron Young, the defensive lineman out of West Jones High School down in South Mississippi, here on his official visit. And In fact, as we're recording this on a Monday morning, Young is still on campus, so he hasn't departed yet. He got here on Saturday morning, uh, probably departing as we speak. Uh, so we haven't got the full feedback from Byron Young's visit yet, but he was the only official visitor on campus over the weekend. A couple of unofficial visitors, some 2020 offensive linemen from inside the state of Mississippi. But Ole Miss and uh, Matt Luke and his staff, they've all, all kind of angled everything towards the weekend of January 25th, which is coming up this week. Uh, that's when your big targets are going to uh, to be in Oxford, where Ole Miss has its last best chance, if you will, to, uh, to kind of put a cap on this 2019 signing class. Guys like John Rice Plumley, DJ James, uh, Jamon Gordon, all those guys expected to be in Oxford. Oxford uh, this coming weekend. Uh, so you're probably looking at a baker's dozen or so of guys who will be on campus. Now, there's a lot of fluidity to it, Ben. DJ James is a cornerback prospect out of Spanish Fort, Alabama, and uh, he has been committed to Mississippi State. Decommitted from Mississippi State on Sunday night. Uh, still expected to be in Oxford this coming weekend. But right now, his crystal ball is trending heavily towards Oregon, where he spent this past weekend on an official visit. So that's just an example of some of the fluidity. Jerion Ely also supposed to be on campus this weekend, Ben, as well, as long, uh, along with Jonathan Mingo, uh, guys like that. So this is Ole Miss's big weekend coming up this weekend. Who's likely? I know they only have like what six spots, maybe. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's fair, and um, I don't think they're going to fill all six of those spots, um, and I, I don't think they're going to be in the business just to take kids to fill spots. They want guys that can help this program. Uh, it, it is probably the most up in the air heading into a big visit weekend that I've ever seen. Oh, that's good. You know, there's some things that you want to do this weekend. You want to keep Jonathan Mingo in the fold. Now, he he took an official this past weekend to Mississippi State. He, of course, is the four-star wide receiver out of Brandon High School. Uh, he's been kicking the tires on some things. Uh, that, there's no secret about that. You want to sew things up with Mingo and make sure you get his signature on February 6th. Uh, you know, and everything else is really kind of up in the air. Of course, Jerry Ely, we've covered that very well on the Ole Miss spirit, uh, the saga around him. It's Ole Miss or Clemson, I believe. Mississippi State still kind of an outlier. Alabama kind of an outlier in his recruitment. Ely has kept things pretty darn close to his vest. But I think that's going to end up being an Ole Miss Clemson decision on signing day. And, of course, whoever gets him, uh, you know, that, then your main opponent is going to be Major League Baseball and the June first-year players draft as to whether or not Ely ever makes it to your campus. So uh, it'll be a moral victory for whoever signs Jerry on Ely on February 6th, but the war won't be over. What about Lockyer Henry? He's a four-star Juco linebacker. He could help. Yeah, he could definitely help. Uh, you know, that's a kid that uh, if, if, I, if I had to throw – 
a, a name out there that I feel somewhat good about, somewhat being the operative word here, it would be Lakia Henry. Uh, he's been to this campus before. He was close to committing to, to Ole Miss before, before he uh, eventually uh, made his pledge to Tennessee. Um, and I and I think they've got a really good fighting chance for him. But it's a, uh, there are a lot of balls in the air for this football staff going into the final weekend. And and again, it's going to be hard to kind of put your finger on things, even with a kid like Jamon Gordon, where he of course is the defensive lineman out of Meridian High School, uh, once committed to Ole Miss, then flipped to Auburn, then opened his recruitment back up. Uh, apparently, and I talked to Keith Niebuhr of the of our Auburn site last night, and uh, Auburn still likes. Jamon Gordon. So I think he's still got that option at play right there. So that's something to watch too. Ole Miss is going to have to win him outright from the Auburn Tigers. Uh, and just several storylines. And look, they'll change and more will develop as the week carries on this week. But but again, I go back to what I originally said. Uh, I just, it's hard to recall a big visit weekend. And this is the big visit weekend for Ole Miss coming up where uh, – there have been so many balls in the air, and it's difficult to predict where they're going to land right now. What, what about Byron Young? Okay, he visits this weekend. Is there any real shot there? I don't think so. And uh, I, I mean, I look. I mean, he's on the Ole Miss campus. You know, as, as we just said, you know, pro- possibly still on the Ole Miss campus as we're recording this podcast on a Monday morning. Um, he, he, you know, you you have to. Uh, to give credence to the fact that he did take an official visit to Ole Miss, but he juggled his schedule. Now he was originally set to come in on Ole Miss's big visit weekend. Instead, uh, the tea leaves are kind of reading that he's going to be in Starkville at Mississippi State on what is their big visit weekend this coming weekend. So he got the Ole Miss visit out of the way. Of course, he is committed to Alabama, a longtime Alabama commit, committed to the Crimson Tide uh, on Independence Day last July 4th, uh, has never wavered in that, has already taken his official to Alabama. He went over there on December the 7th that weekend for his official, uh, and Alabama wants him. And uh, you're going to have to win a, a flat-out fist fight with Alabama for him, and uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't break your way that often. Uh, so, uh, you know, as far as Byron Young goes, I'm not going to shut the door on that, but I'm also not going to be cheerleading uh, that situation across the finish line because I I really don't think. Byron Young is going to end up being an old Miss Rebel. What what a difference a couple of years make. I, re, I remember 2013, 2014, th- 2015. This would be the start of the really busy time for all of us when we would uh, every day be chasing down different leads on different prospects. Ole Miss was in the top two or three with all these highly ranked guys, and you thought they had a real shot. I remember it, when me and Yates used to do a prediction column, and the last one we did was 2013. I went seven for seven because you knew. You, you really had a good understanding of where guys were going to go and if Ole Miss yeah. was going to get them. Now yeah, there's so, just so much uncertainty around every single major prospect they have left. And it seems like more often than not lately, they're just not getting these dudes. Yeah, and p- part of that is Santa Claus comes early now with the December early signing period. Yeah, for you sure. Have, yeah. You know, 70% of the kids are, are, are even higher or off, off the uh, – open market, so to speak, they're already signed, sealed and delivered. So you're, you have a much more narrow or prospect field. Uh, and, and there's good and bad to that. And we can argue the merits of that at a later time. But, uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, as we mentioned, Ole Miss five to six spots left. And, uh, honestly, probably a Baker's dozen of targets left. Uh, there may be a new name or two that surfaces this week as they get a better vibe on, 
are they truly in it for a target or are they not? Should they move on to another guy? Um, you know, that kind of deal. But it should be hopping each and every day. And uh, this weekend should be absolutely incredible again for uh, the remainder of this 2019 class. And uh, which all the early enrollees, as I understand it, we can go ahead and report this, our own campus now, all 11 of them. So uh, no hangups right there. And um, and we'll see what this week brings, but uh, it should be uh, it should be worth your while to follow it daily. Uh, we'll cover it daily on the Ole Miss Spirit, hour by hour. Uh, you guys all know how that that pans down. Uh, there'll probably be notes popping at midnight Friday night uh, as uh, these kids get to town, and Ole Miss takes its uh, takes its final swing at them, uh, you know, face to face. Because yeah, gotta- but, but when you know how the movie's going to end. As, uh, it has been, I, as it has been lately, it's not as, know, not as much fun to, to, uh, to watch that movie. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but uh, I, I don't think we know how this one is is, is going to end. I think we know we think we know how it's going to end, uh, and and that's probably you know somewhere in the middling definition of uh, eh, it wasn't terrible and, and it wasn't great. Uh, but uh, not going to count this staff out, and and you know part of that whole process is you've got so many new hands now in this recruiting process that, you know, to be totally honest with you, I don't know yet. I don't have a feel yet of what kind and how, how much of a factor Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre are going to have on Ole Miss football recruiting. And that's going to take a little while to, uh, you know, to kind of, kind of, kind of kind of see what their tactics are and, and how they play out and everything. So um, fingers crossed if you're an Ole Miss fan that, uh, you know, you can land two, three, four of these guys and, uh, and call it a win come February 6th. Not terrible, not great. Title of your sex tape. Number 13 is what Ole Miss came in on Baseball America, Ole Miss Baseball. They opened full practices this week, started individual skill instruction last week with bullpens, batting sessions, stuff like that. Uh, but Ole Miss Baseball practice kicking up uh, full board this week. So, yeah, a lot of fun Ole Miss Baseball stuff to come on the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. Ole Miss Basketball bounced back from its first SEC loss to LSU on Tuesday with a blowout win of Arkansas on Saturday. And Arkansas, surprising. They have a lot of good talent. They have an NBA lottery pick and Daniel Gafford in the front court, and yet Ole Miss took it to him. And that's with D.C. Davis uh, starting for Devontae Shuler. Now, I asked Kermit Davis after the game. I said, hey, is this kind of the rotation you expect to see moving forward? Devontae's hobbled. He's going to be hobbled all year. He's, they're calling it a stretch reaction. I think it's already a stretch fracture, but you, you take them for, what the, the, for their word, and they say it's a stretch reaction at the top of his foot. Hadn't quite... It's the precursor to a stress fracture, but I hadn't gotten to that point yet. But, yeah, Devontae's banged up. And he only played 25 minutes. That's the, that's the lowest point total or minute total he's had all year, 25 minutes in the win against Arkansas. D.C. Davis started. And Devontae's minutes weren't all that great. He was one for six from the field, negative two plus minus. Defensively, he was fine, but you could tell he didn't have that same burst. So that's something they're going to have to manage all year. But Kermit Davis said after the game, he's still our point guard. He thought he looked a little bit better, a little healthier. It's it's a situation in which Ole Miss will have to monitor him all year. But to bounce back like that against a quality team, I know Arkansas has been woefully inconsistent, probably the biggest surprise inconsistent team in the SEC. They still were able to blow that team out with a limited roster as they've had all year, but even more limited with Devontae Hurt. Impressed, were you, by Ole Miss's performance against Arkansas? 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, this is an NCAA tournament team. I think I think they've defined themselves as that much already at this point of the season. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're an Ole Miss basketball fan, what I would encourage you is to take this rare opportunity that everything that happens good for this group uh, moving forward this season is just icing on the cake. I mean, uh, I think the hire has already been proven out to be excellent. Uh, I think there's no doubt that this program has turned things around. They're heading the heading in the right direction uh and then they're already you know fun to watch exciting to watch the pavilion is selling out it's a fantastic atmosphere only good things coming for old miss men's basketball and uh, that's the way i would watch the rest of this season it's just ice the cake a little bit more and have fun lay back and see how far they can go in the postseason uh exciting group and uh you know i i get what you're saying Devonte Schuler and those uh, an injury like that would be uh you know, that, that's going to be tough to deal with. But they managed it against what you pointed out was a very good Arkansas team on Saturday. So that's my approach to Ole Miss basketball from the peanut gallery, man. I'm just adding more uh, more icing on the cake, and I'm going to enjoy this season. Yeah, Kermit Davis admitted, I think it was last week on the SEC teleconference, that Ole Miss can't absorb a full-on loss of one of Brian Tyree, Devontae Shuler, and Terrence Davis. They just don't have the depth to compensate for that. Yeah, That's why, as a staff and as a training staff, they're doing everything they can to keep Devontae Shuler available, just available, because a little bit of Devontae Shuler is better than no Devontae Shuler at all. If he only plays 25 minutes, that's fine. He'll be better than a plus-minus of negative two in a win. But D.C. Davis, can he continue to have just a value effect on the game as he did on Saturday? I was kind of concerned about him, especially in the first half. Defensively, he was fine. He's always at a disadvantage because he's short. But his offense was bad. He took two shots. Both of them didn't even come close to making them. The second shot clanked off the backboard really hard. You thought, oh, eh, he's got to give you something. And then when Ole Miss in the second half goes in its deciding 13-2 to run, it's D.C. Davis who scored seven points in like not even nine minutes to really get Ole Miss going and was also valuable in getting the ball and getting assists to Terrence Davis in, in fast break attempts and stuff like that. So that's the kind of impact he can make. Now, it's not Devontae Shuler. He's not the talent of Devontae Shuler. But can he get you a consi- give you a, con- a consistent effort like that every night? I don't know. But if he can, Ole Miss will be able to stagger the rotation as such to where not having Devontae be De- what Devontae was for – the first 16, 17 games of the year, which was Ole Miss's Ironman, they can make up for it as best they can with what little depth they can. But it's all kind of contingent on D.C. DC Davis, which is, quite frankly, kind of appropriate for this season, right? This season was a surprise <laughs> season. No one expected Ole yeah, Miss no to be doubt. this good. So like, no doubt. And, yeah. and that, that, so much hinges on D.C. Davis, mean, and, and that's kind of appropriate. Yeah, Ole Miss has already won this basketball season, regardless of what happens yeah. from from here on out. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's that's the good thing. And honestly, if you're an Ole Miss sports fan, you sit back and you look at what this springtime could bring for 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 you. Um, I mean. We've already talked about men's basketball. And uh, and while, look, let's not kid ourselves, the Ole Miss women, they've won two in a row in the Southeastern Conference now for the first time in two years, having knocked off nationally ranked Kentucky and then Florida at home. Yeah, I don't Sunday. care what anybody says. What she's doing is pretty dang impressive. She, 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 she's doing a hell of a job. And, and look, it's a, it's a little bit of fool's gold. Look, Kentucky's best player did not play when Ole Miss went to Lexington and beat them. Florida is bad. Okay, their next opponent, Vanderbilt, is not very good either, and I fully expect them to roll into Nashville, knock Vandy off, and have won three in a row. But from that point forward, the terrain is going to get really, really tough. Still, they lost all those games last year. Oh, 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 yeah. Listen, 
Coach Coach Yo is, is uh, she's the right hire for that job. Uh, and the fact that we're even talking about them winning two SEC games in a row right now is purely incredible. Ben just mentioned baseball, and uh, you know they're 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 nationally ranked in every single poll. Could be a potentially big year for Mike Bianco. It was a big year last year. They just had one bad day uh, at the NCAA tournament, um, and, and then you get to Ole Miss softball with the league. Coaches poll came out last week. They were picked 12th out of 13 teams. But what you've got to remember is all 13 teams in the SEC, Vanderbilt does not play softball, I'll remind you of that, um, have made the NCAA tournament for the last two years. Listen, the SEC is murderer's row in softball. It, it, anybody in there could could do some huge things. And I'm telling you, I've been to practice. Uh, I've been talking to Mike Smith over the holidays and all through the month of January. And Mike Smith is a realist, okay? I mean, he's the most one of the most down-to-earth coaches you'd ever want to meet. He keeps nudging me and telling me, listen, this is a special group. This is a special team. I asked him off the record, and I guess we'll put it on the record right now. Um uh, so to speak, you know, what, what constitutes success for this team? And, and he kind of looked at me and he said, you know, the Oklahoma city in his mind, uh, that's, that's the kind of talent that they've got this year. They're a totally different team than last year. And, uh, he's taking that program to the NCAA tournament three years in a row. And they, they look staged right now in the preseason to really be fantastic. And, uh, so spring overall at Ole Miss could be, uh, and then go to football, Ben. With the Grove Bowl coming up, there's going to be excitement in the air now. With Rich Rodriguez calling the plays on the offensive side, Mike McIntyre on the defensive side, Matt Corral taking over the quarterback position. This is going to be a fun time. The podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. Look, everybody knows at this point there are Mexican restaurants all over Oxford or all over New Albany if you're a fellow New Albanian with your friend Ben. So how can you pick which is the best one? Which do you know to be the place to go for the best food, the best drinks, the best atmosphere? El Agave Mexican Grill is the only place to go. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food and a cantina in Oxford, and both of their family-friendly restaurants and cantinas offer the best Mexican food around. Their atmosphere is warm, inviting, so you and your family can make yourself at home. It's great Mexican food that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. Their kitchen gets busy early every morning because they start from scratch every day making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their signature homemade red and green chili dishes, slow-cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks for over for a great Mexican fiesta. So come on over. It's El Agave in Oxford and New Albany, 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. It's the best Mexican food and margaritas in town, from street tacos to the burger, which is one of my very favorites. The very best margaritas in Oxford. So many specials. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. It's 2019, the new year, it's here. And what better way to start off the new year than with a new car, truck, or Jeep? They're loaded up with Jeep Wranglers, Grand Cherokees, and Cherokees all priced to move right now. So make sure you're taking advantage of this unique opportunity with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. But simply buying a new car is not the only service that Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram provides. If you're having some car trouble, if you need some advice, go visit them. Brian, Mason, ask for them. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you, and they're going to make sure that you're taken care of. Addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. You can give them a call at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. 
There's 14 games left in the basketball season. And right now, Ole Miss is probably in its toughest stretch of the final 14. Said last week, Ole Miss really needed to split and go one and one. And there was an opportunity after Devontae got hurt to where you thought, oh, Arkansas is sneaky good. They've been inconsistent, disappointing because they should be better. They're a more talented team overall than Ole Miss. And yet Ole Miss blows them out and does exactly what it needs to do, especially after a tough week or tough game against LSU. Now you got Alabama on Tuesday at uh, in Tuscaloosa, and you come home and face an Iowa State team that's playing much better and was at one point in the season ranked. Then you go to Florida, and then you come home from Mississippi State. This four-game stretch is tough. If you oh, can get man. through this four-game stretch, two and two, you're still perfectly positioned for an NCAA tournament berth because after that you can kind of start to potentially build some wins for your resume. Texas A&M at home, you're better than Texas A&M. Georgia on the road, you're better than Georgia. Auburn on the road is tough, but then you come home and face Missouri, and, and Missouri's not a good basketball team. South Carolina on the road is going to be pretty tough because South Carolina started the SEC schedule pretty strong, but then you come home and face Georgia. You're probably going to lose to number three Tennessee at home on, on uh, February 27th, but then at Arkansas, home against Kentucky and Missouri. Now you're probably going to lose Kentucky at home, but when you get, go, go on the road to Missouri to finish out the SEC schedule, right then and there, you look at the schedule and go, well, if they get six wins, they're at 20. They've won 10 in the conference. That's probably good enough to be in the NCAA tournament. Maybe you have to go to the SEC tournament and win one, but they're getting to the point where they could theoretically just win six more if it's the right six and get into the tournament. There's not a, a, a loss I look down, a potential loss I look at the schedule and say that would doom them, the SEC strong enough. So uh, Ole Miss is in a great position. They're going to have to play their way out of it. Quite frankly, I, I feel like if they get to 20, and we were talking before the season that they could just win nine SEC games, 20 wins with the win against Iowa State, then they're in the tournament. Well, they've done so much good work, and their quadrant wins are so good, and they're right now in the net rankings number 24, that all they have to do is hold serve for 14 games, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, there's also always a, a – and, and you know this, there's always a political element to uh, – you know, who gets in and who gets out. And this year, you know, Ole Miss's good fortune is to kind of be a – they've already kind of been labeled a national Cinderella-type team. And I think that's going to be In the SEC now, they're, they're a six- or seven-bid league. It seems like it's yeah. been that way routinely for three years now. Well, I mean, I mean, you, you mentioned Tennessee. I, I mean, I'm watching Alabama and Tennessee play on Saturday. Alabama takes Tennessee down to the wire, and Tennessee is one of the best basketball teams in the country and Alabama's this year. good, man. They really are. Alabama's good. I mean, so, yeah, you're talking about, a, you know, seven – seven teams from the 14-team SEC probably getting in. But my point being is that I think Ole Miss has been recognized and labeled as a potential national Cinderella. Now, they've got to they've got to get, a, get that across the finish line, but I think if they cross the finish line with the intrigue that's around Kermit Davis's first year right now, I think they're in the NCAA tournament. I think it'd be foolish not to have Ole Miss in there. Yeah, I would think so too. And I want to make note of one thing. It was, it would seem pretty obvious to me when Devontae went down that Brian Tyree, who's played point guard in each of his first two seasons at Ole Miss, would just slide over and be the primary point guard. But the master stroke for Kermit Davis and why this team's been good is because Devontae was moved to point guard and Brian was moved off the ball because it suits his game better. Uh, you've seen the way in which he works off the ball and getting him shots and getting him opportunities because he's probably their best uh, jump shooter of anybody on the team. So that's really opened Ole Miss's offense up. And it worked again against Arkansas and proved that if Ole Miss can just get competency at point guard, even if it's just safety, 
uh, Bree and Tyree and Terrence Davis work best off of that, and they're going to uh, provide you your most point production anyway. So, uh, yeah, that was that. That to me made more sense when I'm watching against Arkansas. DC Davis was fine, and when DC Davis is fine, well, then Terrence Davis and Brian are still good. David Brandon, the Associated Press, is coming up in just a little bit. Talk a little bit more about Ole Miss basketball. But you're right. You said it in the preseason. It was tongue in cheek when you said it, but you said it nonetheless. Ole Miss is an NCAA tournament team. They're still positioned for that. And one and one was a successful week. Now over the next fourth, they can go two and two. They're still in the exact same spot they're in today. And that's that's an important thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and again, you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan, I, I would just say look ahead. I mean, don't look back. It's been some pain. There, there have been some painful things uh, that you've had to enjoy the last couple of years. But with springtime rolling in, I, I mean, I just I'm excited, Ben. I, I mean, I, I've got to tell you, I'm excited about Ole Miss men's basketball. I'm excited about the diamond sports. I'm excited about being able to start taking a look at what Rich Rodriguez offense is going to mean to this Ole Miss football program this spring, as well as Mike McIntyre instituting the three four. That's going to be fascinating uh, to see how he juggles that defensive line around on that linebacker core as he's instituting this and identifying the guys that are going to be able to help him, uh, you know, improve this defense. Signing day's coming up again. You know, I, I hope we didn't throw too wet of a towel on the Rebels National Signing Day. Uh, I mean, what, I think they, what else can you do, yeah, man? I, I get it. I totally get it. And I, but I do think there will be a pleasant surprise or two uh, in there. It best be. And, um, you know, but, uh, I, you know, you look at these defensive linemen in Mississippi, you look at the 2019 class in Mississippi, it's hard to paint that in a positive light considering the talent that was in this state and uh, the talent that is leaving this state or going elsewhere in this state to play football ultimately. So, uh, but, uh, it, that, you know, lots of storylines around it anyway. So, uh, you know, we're going to walk you across that uh, national signing day and then we'll be there to absorb all the punishment that you guys dish out to us for being so wrong. Uh, so I'm, be, I'm, so I'm retired from recruiting coverage. I'm retired from recruiting coverage. That's why I just I just yeah. throw it to you and defer to you and Yancey. Y'all got it. Oh, my God. If yeah, you, I don't, if, I don't if, envy your position. I'll listen, man, if you'd see my inbox, oh, my God. I, I mean, I want to come burn you her your house down, you fat bastard. Uh, I, I mean, it's just like, oh, no, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, just be, look, I'm not a soothsayer. I, I, I'm not a psychic. Uh, website if you're uh, looking for that but uh, you know we're, we're going to tell you the best we can based off what we know what we think sometimes we're right sometimes we're wrong this is not going to be an easy run and that being my point uh, to predict exactly what's going to happen uh, at least not from from this vantage point that we're at right now now maybe after the weekend we, we get a we draw a little bit more blood on this situation and we get a little bit better read about how it's going to shake out uh, but right now man the balls are in the air. That's that's the easiest way to say it. Chris Moore, a talented 2020 basketball prospect from West Memphis, Arkansas. I think he's a three-star in 247 Sports, a fringe four-star. He was in attendance for the uh, Arkansas game on Saturday, as was Matthew Morrell, four-star point guard out of Memphis. So um, I know that Kermit Davis went to see Jamin Brakefield, or at least that was the plan after the Arkansas game. So hot and heavy is Ole Miss basketball recruiting, and we'll obviously have coverage of that on the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. Going now to the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line to speak to David Brand. He writes for the Associated Press. He's drinking his coffee. He's contemplating all of life's problems. What's up, man? No, not much. Just living dad life. What do you do? What's your morning routine? Well, it depends. You know, today is a weird one because it's it's obviously a holiday. So, uh little later starting. Uh, but usually 
you know, the kids have to be at school by uh, 7.30. So, you know, get up at like 6.30, gulp down some coffee real quick and then take them to school and then slowly ease into my day of, you know, Pulitzer quality writing and uh, contemplation. And then we go from there. No yoga for David Brent. No, no yoga. I do on the days that I feel motivated, I do go and work out, but you know, that, that happens infrequently. What's the most you ever bench pressed? The most I ever bench pressed. Wow. This is going to be probably, you know, part of it is because I'm weak and part of it is because I was a pitcher in college and, you know, they always say, don't get too big across the chest because you can't throw a baseball. Uh So really probably the best I ever could bench press was around like two thirty or two forty. It's not bad. Well, I mean, it wasn't like horrid or anything, but I was never, you know, when you tell people you were an athlete in college and then, you know, there's yeah. nothing really. They expect like, two, six, they expect like 265 and squatting five or something. Right, exactly. And I mean, you know, most position players could probably do that. But, you know, when, when you're a pitcher, it's not necessarily necessary for you to have, you know, great pecs. How much do you think Terrence Davis could bench press and squat? Man, what's it now? That I think that's two different questions. What he could do right now, and what he could do if he really worked at it. Yeah, because you know, I, I mean, I bet right now, probably not. Uh, what do you think? Like close to three hundred? Probably. The question leads to this. Obviously, Dominic Olenichek is a bigger guy, but you know how it right. goes with working out. I wouldn't be surprised if, because of how long his arms are, his legs, and all that kind of exactly. stuff, exactly, Terrence does more weight. Oh, I would be shocked if he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I would think, you know, because there's kind of a height to, you know, arm length proportion with the bench press. You know, it's why, you know, guys with really long arms, like you said, have a tough time, you know, bench pressing a lot. But we know Terrence Davis was a really good football prospect, too. And obviously, you know, it looks like he could get strong in a hurry. Um, You know, I'm sure he could get if he really wanted to work at the bench press for a while, he could get over 300, you know, probably in a hurry. Um, you know, one of the biggest guys I'd like to have known, like if he really wanted to get after it, what Murphy Holloway could have benched. Yeah. Jeremy Parnell was terrifying. Yeah, he would know. Yeah, he was, he was a big boy, even for a basketball player, that front line. Cause remember it was Jeremy Parnell, Kenny Dwayne Williams, Curtis and Dwayne Curtis. Yeah. Now those three guys together weren't the best front court in America, not by a long shot, really. I mean, they were pretty good, but they weren't the best, but as far as just like, you know, like a cage fight or something like that, like that, those, they would have been up there. That was a pretty big trio right there. Yeah. If if you were in a fight and you said, okay, you can have any Ole Miss basketball players. Oh, I don't even need to finish the sentence. Dwayne Curtis, Kenny Williams, and Jeremy Parnell. I want those. Yeah. Three. I mean, a front court, you know, um, three guys. I mean, you know, it, Reggie Buckner would have been good. You know, they've, they've had guys. If he was there, interested in fighting, if he was interested in fighting, most nights he'd have been like, yeah, well, hey, you're on your well, own. Well, obviously. Yes. <laughs> yes, you would be on your own. Yeah. The other ones, they would just jump in and fight. I don't know where I'm going with any of this. Ole Miss basketball is 14-3 overall, 4-1 and one in the SEC. You were there on Saturday. Ole Miss beats um, Arkansas and beats them pretty b- badly, responding from a loss to LSU, their first SEC loss. They're number 24 in the net rankings, still number no- number 18 in the AP as we're currently recording this. What are your thoughts on Ole Miss basketball bouncing back and all the uh, work that they put in on Saturday? I, I thought it was really impressive just because of how almost workmanlike it was. You know what I mean? It, 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 there wasn't really anything super fancy about it. They just jumped out to an early lead. 
kept the lead the whole time and then eventually pulled away in the second half against an Arkansas team. I know they're struggling, but that's a team with, with a guy, Daniel Gafford, who could be a lottery pick and, and, you know, some guards with some real talent um, and, and to just sort of put them away without even, you know, they played well, but that's not like the best they can play. I, I thought it was a really good bounce back win for them and, and just kind of solidifies them that this isn't, a fluke that if they play pretty good basketball, especially at home, that that they're going to beat teams and sometimes beat teams pretty easily. That was the thing. Devontae Shuler plays 25 minutes is the lowest minutes total of the season for him. And yet they still, even when Arkansas would get in within six, I think early in the second half, they still took it to them. 13 to two run early in the second half, that put the game away. But Ole Miss responded, and Kermit Davis has talked about pockets of adversity. Most of those pockets of adversity have come on the court. The biggest one has come off the floor with Devontae and his status moving forward and how they'll have to manage his minutes. And yet they continue to play the exact same way, game in and game out. And that consistency when you're projecting them for the final 14 games, that's why you have such confidence in thinking this team has staying power and can get to that 20-win plateau, that 10-win plateau in the SEC, because they play the same game even when they have to absorb um, at least partially a loss to one of their best players, which they thought they couldn't do. They're still playing the same type of game. Now it was one game, but you like to see what they do against – Alabama in Tuscaloosa on Tuesday, but they're still playing the same game. That that gives them staying power, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems so. And and I, I think what you're getting is that rotation is not very big, but you're getting kind of consistent play night in and night out from a lot of people. You know Tyree and, and Terrence Davis are going to lead your rotation. You know, both score between 15 and 20 points on most nights you know, and, and really kind of be your rock right there. But they're also getting, especially against Arkansas, you know, Ola Nechik played great in the first half, uh, 13 points, didn't miss a shot. And then in the second half, Bruce Stevens really played well and poured in some points. And, you know, between those two guys, I think it was like 27 points and 11 rebounds. And that's incredible production in an SEC game from, from two guys that, you know, really last year, at least at times, were borderline unusable on, on the court, depending on, you know, which time of year you were looking at. You know, those two guys aren't perfect. They both have deficiencies. But together, you know, Kermit is finding ways to mix and match them and use their strengths. And, and you've got a really usable five spot now. And then, of course, D.C. Davis, who played all of 16 minutes last year, um, you know, comes in and you know, plays a really solid, whatever it was about 25 minutes, seven points, four assists, um, you know, stays within himself, uh, plays good defense, you know, is a good solid rotation player. So they're, they're getting, they, they know what they're getting from pretty much everybody in the rotation. You'd like to see Blake Henson kind of step forward again. He's been in a little bit of a slump, but uh, you know, overall, I, I think that, you know, the continuity, uh, the, the confidence is, is kind of really flowing with this group right now. You admitted it. You weren't a, a huge, like, all over the moon excited, or you're kind of meh about Kermit Davis getting hired at Ole Miss. It, it wasn't one that just blew you away. Has your opinion changed? Yeah, it has. I mean, you know, it's. I realize it's only been 17 games, and and really, I, I guess I Kermit is who I thought he was. Essentially, I knew he was a good game coach. And I knew he was really well respected for what he could squeeze out of a roster. And I, I think that what we're seeing is, is a coach 
squeeze it. First off, I think this, this roster had more talent than a lot of us were giving it credit for. Um, second off, I think that Kerbit is doing an incredible job at getting every ounce of talent uh, that it has and, and is playing really well with it. You know, what I've been most impressed with is for him to recruit a couple guys like Blake Henson and KJ Buffin on short notice. And, and I think those two guys are going to be really good SEC players. If he could do that on short notice, what's he going to do, you know, when he's got time to build a class and, and time to really see guys and, and get guys that he thinks fits in his program. So I, I am way more bullish on his ability to build a program than I was a year ago. His, his, the way he gets the most out of his roster, I think is about what I expected, but I, I, I'm more encouraged about this sustaining over the long haul. Who doesn't want a friendly neighborhood pharmacy? Fortunately for my Oxford people out there, or even those who live in surrounding towns and counties like me, Cheney's Pharmacy is just that. Brent Smith and family are passionate supporters of Ole Miss Athletics, season ticket holders, Vault Society members, but more importantly, Cheney's is a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and they've progressively stayed current with trends in pharmacy, business, and even with all they have to offer, including a very unique boutique-style gift and home selection. When you call Cheney's, you'll speak to a real person. Look, man, there's nothing that other places offer that Cheney's doesn't offer or hasn't been offering and delivering to you with a local flair for some 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call for all your pharmaceutical needs at 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard that's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays, and you can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. When Ole Miss went and made its hire, it, it, if they could have had Thad Mott, I'm sure they would have gone that direction. If they could have gotten Tom Crean, maybe I think they were higher on Kermit Davis than Tom Crean. Uh, but Ole Miss is unique, and I think the the marriage of Kermit Davis with Ole Miss is kind of perfect because Ole Miss isn't going to consistently land four top 100 players in a class. I mean, you're you're going to have to go find a KJ Buffin that fits exactly your style of play in a system that had offers. I think the two other high major offers he had, other than Ole Miss, were Middle Tennessee and Georgia, and that's why it, it, it to me when you look at it, it's easy to say now because they've had success, but when you look at it. Uh, from from like step back and look for, from a larger viewpoint, uh, Kermit makes the most sense for Ole Miss because of just the style in which he builds rosters and constructs rosters, and also like you mentioned, getting the most out of the talent he has at his disposal. Yeah, and and it might be a, a little bit of blasphemy on an Ole Miss podcast, but you know when I just sitting here talking about it and thinking about it, he reminds me a little of a basketball version of Dan Mullen, and and how Dan Mullen built rosters Uh-oh. at Mississippi State. Uh-oh. You know he could. Well, you see what I'm getting at, yeah, though, here. He, he didn't you. always get every five-star out there, but he got a lot of three-stars and four-stars and a lot of Jonathan Banks's, Darius Slay's, you Dak know, guys Prescott. like that, that. Yeah, Dak Prescott, obviously, you know, guys that he developed into, you know, he got good players. They, it's not like he got a bunch of two-stars and miracled them into a decent roster, but he, he had to get a lot of three-stars, borderline four-stars, and he picked the right ones, and he was good at that consistently. And I think... You know, Kermit Davis has the potential to build rosters in the same sort of way. Where does this end up? Are they an NCAA tournament team if they get to 20 wins and 10 wins in the league? Sure looks like it. You know, th- this is a big game coming up next Saturday against Iowa State. Uh, you know, that's a that's a good team. That's a good RPI, whatever the rankings are, net, you know, Ken Palm, whatever you like to look at. Uh, that will be a and, – and it's one of, you know, obviously a, a cross-conference game where you can kind of – you know, look at Ole Miss and they get them at home. 
against a team that also will be in the tournament. I think that's a big game for the eye test. But yeah, it looks like the way just because the SEC top to bottom this year is pretty darn good. There's not, you know, it doesn't look like Vanderbilt's very good, but at Georgia's just eh. But you know, outside of that, there's a lot of pretty good teams in the SEC. So I think that everybody playing each other is going to keep the rankings high. And I think that if Old Miss gets to that ten and eight mark in the league, and when you start four and one, that becomes a lot easier because they only have to go six and seven down the stretch. Uh, I, I think that that 20 wins in, in the season, 10 wins in the conference is kind of the magic number right now. Yeah, I think Va- they could do that. That Vanderbilt win in Nashville is going to fall out of a quadrant one. I mean, Vanderbilt's just not going to win. But uh, you still have opportunities to, to gain quadrant one wins. That I think the Iowa State game, like you mentioned, is probably the biggest game in this really tough four-game stretch that they're in. Because after this four-game stretch, you split them – you have a good chance of, of adding wins to your total with Georgia, two against Missouri, South Carolina. There, there's opportunities there uh, to build your resume. You're going to be favored in all those games. But keeping those quadrant one wins at a healthy number, if Vanderbilt falls out, you still need to be having four, five, six quadrant one wins, and there are opportunities for that. But it starts with that Iowa State game, I think. And you get them at home, you win that game. I think you really position yourself regardless of – you can't fall – the bottom can't fall out. But if you – only go six and seven, but the right six and seven and get the 20 and 10, you're in. You're, you're probably safely. And I think Ole Miss is at the point now or getting close to that point to where you're just going to have to play your way out. You're, you're firmly in the, in the tournament. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think their resume, you know, with wins over Auburn, over, over Mississippi State and, and then over Arkansas, you are, you are quickly building a resume that, that looks really, really good. Um, you know, and, and again, there's what, what do we have about at least six weeks left of the regular season? Yeah, there's 14 a lot games. Yep. Yep. Right. There's a lot that changes. So I mean, it, you know, it's certainly not a, uh, a good time to rest and everything. There's going to be teams like Ole Miss. I'm not saying this is Ole Miss, but there's teams in a similar position of Ole Miss that on, you know, February 21st, instead of January 21st, we won't even be talking about because they'll totally have had a five game losing streak and have fallen out of the picture. So, there's, there's, there's more work to do, but, but Ole Miss has definitely set itself up. And, and again, it's the way they're playing at games. It looks like it just doesn't look like a fluke anymore. Their guard play is good enough. You know, their, their post play is not amazing, but again, they're piecing it together correctly. And I, I think the freshman Buffett and Hinson are always going to be up and down, but I think they'll slowly tw- trend upward as well. You going to watch the Super Bowl? You got Patriots fatigue. I mean, I'm sure I'll have it on in the background, but I'm not going to, uh, you know, hang on every snap. I don't think it's not really Patriots fatigue. I just have never, you know, Patriots and and Rams. I don't have a massive rooting interest in either of those teams. In what way would you have a rooting interest? What teams would you need for the Super Bowl to really be invested? I mean, really, I don't, you know, because it's funny, you know, when you cover college football for a living, I love college football and I love what I do, but really the last thing I want to do the day after, after I've just watched football for 14 straight hours, essentially is watch football for 14 more straight hours. So in the NFL, you know, my childhood team, honestly, was the Kansas city chiefs. Cause I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. So if the chiefs had been in it, I would have, you know, at least watched, but I don't, there's not really a way I would have lived and died by every play, but I definitely would have, you know, for me, just from an interest standpoint, Saints chiefs would have been a lot more fun than Patriots were. But, uh, uh, alas, that did not happen. Had the Cowboys made it, would we have gone to the Super Bowl? It's in Atlanta. Would would we, as it be and yes. you? Yeah, if I would have gotten tickets, would you have gone with me to the Super Bowl? Oh, gosh. If if you had got tickets and I could have gotten that day off, sure. I'd I'm go. just saying, would you have worn Cowboys stuff, though? 
would I have worn Cowboys stuff? That would have been a prerequisite. Uh, if, if you're going if with me. Were, yeah, if that were contingent on the tickets, yeah, I think I'd do that. Oh, oh, oh. oh. I'd have made you wear the Dak Prescott jersey I have. <laughs> no, no pictures, but yeah, I mean. Oh, like oh I'd have taken the pictures. Oh, look at this. <laughs> oh, this negative slant brand. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, that would have been the end of me. Yeah. But uh, no, sometimes, sometimes you got to wear, I, you know, I, I remember when uh, LSU played Illinois at the Sugar Bowl and whatever that was, 2001, and my friends were coming down from, you know, my Illinois friends fans. They were like, you got to wear orange and blue. I was like, well, I got to stick to the Sugar Bowl. So, yes, orange and blue it is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You'd have been in the Dak Prescott. Or I would have put you in the old 31 Roy Williams jersey. How about that? I know. I would have compromised. See, like an old school, like an old school jersey. Yeah, I, I know you. Love, like you a, love, like a, you love like that. Like a Nova check or yeah. something like that. You know, yeah. Something like that. I know you. you you're, you're very trendy. You love throwback jerseys. I know you. you you'd like Is that Williams. trendy, though? I, I think that I, that feels like that's almost like gone. You know, there was a trend there for a while, but it's almost you know, past that trend. Now. I, I'm, I'm not a big believer in adults wearing jerseys to begin with, though. Like my wife yeah, has bought me jerseys, that. but I, I never wear them. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, I, I like you know the polo or something like that. I, I think that looks good, but yeah. that jerseys for for grown men is a little weird. Yeah, yeah especially Unless now like your kid or something like that. Or like when you look at uh, kids going on official visits in football now, and their dads are decked out with them. That just, uh, just no, doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's David Brandt at David Brandt AP on Twitter. He writes for the Associated Press covering all Mississippi sports. I'm assuming you'll be in town for Iowa State on Saturday. I will. I'm actually, I think I'm going to get to do the rare double. You know, Ole Miss plays at 11 a.m. and then State plays at 7.30. I could hit both those games. Well, that, got, that Saturday is going to be brought to you by Red Bull. Yeah, you, you have fun with that. He's David Brandt. Thank you, man. We'll talk soon. All right, take care. Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event. Whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662 638 3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics. That was David Brand of the Associated Press. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud and the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. That's the website that both David and I write for. Are you going to watch the Super Bowl or do you have Patriots fatigue like me? Man, you know what? I was desperately pulling for Tom Brady to throw an interception. Uh, in the waning moments of that game last night. And, and he, he did, did, and D Ford's also. <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, I, I have not spent a lot of time watching the NFL this year, but uh, i got a house full of kids that have. So in the playoffs, we've kind of become more engaged in watching them, at least I have. So, yeah, I watched both games yesterday. And, um, you know, 
I was amazed at how many reprieves the Patriots got to get out of Kansas City alive. Yeah. Let me just say that. Three calls that should have, that could have, and probably should have went Kansas City's way down the stretch. Did not. Uh, you know, you had the offsides call that uh, negated the the interception. Uh, uh, the Edenfield and the and the and the Phantom uh uh, no touch on the punt return. Uh, I'm forgetting something else right now. But there the were the punt return calls. bothered me because the ruling on the field was that he touched it, and unless there's clear and irrefutable evidence, it's supposed yeah, to stick with exactly. the call on the field. And you really couldn't tell from all these different angles whether he touched it or not. So you're supposed to stick with it, but they overturned it. And then later, the call on the field is an incomplete pass, or I think it was something to that effect for the New England Patriots. Maybe it was a catch. And they reversed it when there was no clear and irrefutable evidence. It didn't make any sense. They stuck with a call on the field in one instance that favored the Patriots, and they didn't when it didn't. And I'm not saying there's some type of uh, you know, conspiracy in regards to protecting the Patriots, but it did feel like they were getting, getting the breaks. And it feels like they always get the breaks. Like, for example, the pass interference call, or excuse me, the roughing the quarterback call on Tom Brady, that was nothing. Chris Jones oh my literally yeah, that, like brushed his head other. with his hand. Yeah, that was that was absolutely ridiculous. And and if they're going to use replay to the extent in which they use it, they need to use replay to correct those kind of situations as well. Um, but you know, the biggest break they got the entire game was winning the coin toss yep. going in overtime because both defenses were shot. I don't think uh, I think if KC got the football, uh, they were going to drive down the field and score on the Patriots, and uh, it happened the other way around. I don't so now, understand that. I don't. Why don't we make this so complicated? This is a game, right? Football is a game, and, and this is my whole feeling on it. If it's a game, it doesn't matter. At least make it fun. And what would make it fun is college rules and overtime. I mean, yeah, why, why I, in the world is the biggest determinant for a team in overtime in the NFL winning the coin toss? Uh, it, it, Patrick Mahomes should have at least possessed the ball once. Both teams should at least possess the ball once. Yeah, NFL NFL football in this day and age is is television programming. It, it is entertainment, and uh, perhaps there's an element to this sudden death uh, situation. Look, and, and I get it. For years and years, the NFL had true sudden death, but now it's you know if you score a touchdown, it's sudden death. If you don't, it's a, a yeah, semi sudden death. I, yeah, no yeah, half I, measures, man. Either go one full way or go the other. Oh, like, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent But again, getting back to the replay, you know, let's move over to the Saints and Rams game and how the Saints oh, were were just you know robbed on a call right there. Now we don't know how it would have ended. You know, Sean Payton seems to think they would have went down on knee three times, kicked field goal, with no time left. And they would have yeah. won the game, went to the Super Bowl, and that's probably exactly how it would have played out. Uh, but but my gosh, if you're going to have a, a a no call that uh, that erroneous, that that bad. I, you know, you've got instant replay that is ruining the game. It ruins the flow of the game and everything. Uh, and you don't use it to correct something like that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Um, the people running the NFL are a lot smarter than me, but uh, it's not as enjoyable. But we talk about it, don't we? We all talk about it. That's what's around the water cooler in the office today is about how, how horrendous the officiating was. It was so and, bad. But, it was so bad. And it's not just the erroneous miscall and pass interference. Uh, to be fair, the Rams got away with um, like hands to the face on the interception to Drew Drew Brees when Drew Brees threw the, threw the pick, which allowed the Rams to tie it. He's getting hit in the face as he's throwing it, and you, you've been done, gone all about making like a point of emphasis to protect quarterbacks. I'm not a Saints fan; I'm a Cowboys fan. Everybody knows that, but 
the Saints got screwed on some calls. That that's true, and it's not. It goes far beyond just the non-pass interference call. That was a hundred percent pass interference. At this point, what what bothers me, and it's in the SEC, it's all across the NFL. There are no consequences for referees being bad at their jobs. None. 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 There's no accountability for it. For example, if a coach or player in the NFL talks shit about the referees to the media, they get fined significantly. You're talking at least $10,000 are getting fined if they talk crap about the uh, officiating in the NFL. In the SEC, you can't talk about officiating. Head coaches consistently, routinely skip over questions or ignore them talking about the referees because they'll get reprimanded by the SEC. There's sure. a strange protection of referees across football. If I sucked at my job, if I wrote a story that said something or, or, or was in any way offensive or wrong or whatever, Chuck's getting all up like on me mad. Like he would do something. Maybe, I don't know if he'd suspend me, but if it was egregious enough. He'd sure as hell fire me. If I'm, everybody has consequences of their job. If you fail in your work performance and your job performance, you get reprimanded. You get publicly scorned. You, you get what you deserve if you're bad at it. And the NFL, it's become so blatantly obvious that these guys don't understand what they're supposed to be properly enforcing. And when they, it's, it's like, I know that the point of emphasis is the well, well, quarterbacks, it, but my it, God, but, that's but, not, but, that's but not listen, pass interference, a roughing passer on a quarterback. Every spring, every spring, the SEC gathers up down in Destin and they create more ridiculous and, and yeah. idiotic rules and ways to interpret these rules. So, you know, that's that's put the officials in somewhat of a quandary out there, particularly when you're, you're coming to situations like protecting quarterback and things like that. I'm not taking up for officials. They get paid and they're getting paid well to do these jobs. So criticism, yes, they, they should be open to it. Uh, what bugs me and, and you don't see this. You, you see the missed calls on the NFL level and then the SEC level. You know what bugs me about officiating, and I can spot this from a mile off, is when I go to a Friday night high school football game, and these are the guys who really aren't getting paid very much. That's and thank true. God you've really got is. these guys who are volunteering their time to go out there for this gluttony of punishment on Friday nights. And that extends to basketball officials and baseball umpires on the high school level. But what bothers me more than anything, and, and I hate to say this, because I, I am pro-official at the high school level because there's nothing in it for these guys. You can spot the guy out there a mile away who I, I call the sheriff. You know, the guy who's out there to assert his authority and to make an impact on that game on the high school level. And that's something that on the high school level, at least in this state, I'm not going to condemn all 50 states on this because I'm not there on a Friday night. Uh, that, that I wish they could work on trying to weed out. A guy who's got those flags in the pocket, and, and he's going to make a call that's going to influence something in that game just because he can. And, um, you know, but, th but that's a topic for another day. I'm straying a little bit. The referee, well, but, the, but the point's still the same. Officiating is supposed to be down the middle, as yeah. by the book as it can be. And I, I know it's a really hard job in, in real time, and the NFL's made it so hard on referees to know what is roughing the passer, know what is pass interference, illegal touching, all that stuff. And there's all these inane rules that they want to protect players, as they should. You want football to last long term and not go away. you got to protect the players as best you can from those awful like career-defining, life-threatening injuries. I get that, and, and I'm for it completely. But the problem is, is now judgment calls – are being made and you're being selected with the replay process to where a pass interference that is obvious to everyone who else who saw it in real time on TV, but had the benefit of multiple replay 
Why can't that be reviewable? Why cannot – like, especially if you even want to limit it to under two minutes, which it was. If it's under two minutes and you want to look at a play, to, uh, a game-defining play like that, you should be able to, or at least somebody should be able to call down and say, hey, man, you need to take a look at this. You know, the thing of it is – and they've already opened this. You're opening Pandora's box on this. That's true. I, I mean, you, you, if you could imagine, a, let's just say, an Alabama-Georgia SEC title game where that was a no-call against Alabama. Uh, put, the, put Alabama in the Saints' shoes yesterday, and then somebody picks up the phone from Birmingham and phones into the SEC title game in uh, in Atlanta that that call's going Alabama's way. I, I mean, it, it's a Pandora's do- box of criticism. Um, you know, maybe maybe you should go back to the days of uh, you know containing the game to 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 the field itself. I don't know, but uh, instant replay they got to work that out. They've got to work it out. You can't have instant replay involved in your game in such a critical fashion and only use it half the time. You just can't do it. You just you can't do it. It's ruining these games. And it's not and I have Patriots fatigue as everyone else does. And I, I put on Twitter last night, football isn't fun anymore. For me it's not. And the reason why is because I love parody. I, I would love the opportunity to know that a bunch of different teams could be involved in the championship the next year. But every year in college football it's Alabama and Clemson. Every year in the NFL like nine Super Bowl appearances now for the Patriots. I mean, at this point, it's not very fun. And the Patriots have won their division 14 out of the last 15 years, and that's a credit to them. That the, the one of the this is one of the greatest runs in the history of sport. Tom Brady's far and away the greatest quarterback of all time. That's all great, and Tom Brady was great again. They had to convert three third and tens on that final game winning drive, but it again speaks to the disparity of the college football rules compared to in the in overtime compared to the NFL why would you not want Patrick Mahomes possessing the ball why is Tom Brady being protected with a ridiculous roughing the passer call why are you this is everything that is yeah, involved you you, you you want to know the origins of the merit of the spirit of that rule yeah, yeah. television yeah it goes yeah, back yeah. to no no it goes back to the Heidi game it goes back to the Heidi game in in the I guess it was the late 1960s where they had to cut the the Raiders and I believe it were I think they were playing the Chiefs that day I'd have to go back and look but um, you know it's to end the games quickly that, that's the original spirit behind the sudden death rule is that uh, we're not going to sit here and put t- football on TV for an extra hour and cut into the uh, ABC Sunday night movie or whatever so yeah. we want it to end quickly. That's all that is. Real quick before we get out of here, are you going to watch the Super Bowl? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll watch the Super Bowl. My uh, brother my brother suggested we go see a movie instead because he's bored with it all, too. I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna I'll end up the- watching. I I don't not watch the Super Bowl. Well, I'm pulling for the Rams. Well, uh, yeah. And the, uh, it's yeah. really hard for a Cowboys fan to pull for the Rams right now. But, I mean, the only scenario in which that would happen is put the Patriots back in the Super Bowl. I was a Falcons fan growing up. And, um uh, uh, so yeah, they were in the NFC West right there with the Rams. So I never liked the Rams, uh, but I will pull for the Rams. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm not a, a Tom Brady hater. Oh, I'm not either. I love greatness, man. Yeah. I, I'm a Tom Brady defender to the death, but still, I just want different. I want. Eh, I just want different. I, I, I'm with you. It's time for change. Yeah, he's David Johnson. I'm Ben Garrett. Thanks, man. Let's talk later this week. Enjoyed it. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.